0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Reefs, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's, uh, it's a good day. I was just standing back here preparing to come up and I, and, I, and I feel compelled to tell you I refuse to preach an impotent, impotent powerless Christ. I will preach Christ, Christ crucified, died and resurrected. And because He was resurrected, He is a Jesus of power, not a Jesus that was a has-been. There is nothing In your life, in my life, in this world that is not underneath his authority. And everything that he's ever said is absolutely 100% completely true. And I will go to the grave on that. Now I recognize that in this place there might be uh, some alternate opinion on that. That's fine. You can believe because because you have have the agency to believe that. You, you, You have the freedom to believe that. But as a as your pastor, you just need to know where I stand. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it's in red, it's true. That's all I got. And here's what I think. I think that when we start living that way, our lives radically, completely change. Open up your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to find ourselves in a few moments. But I want to I I get to that point. But I don't want you to have to try to find it while I'm talking here in a minute. So... Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to start in the scripture. Then we're going to go to several other passages. But last week I said that uh, I, was, I was teaching the last of the series on boundaries. And the passage was out of Matthew. And it said that Jesus commanded us, let your yes be yes and your no be No. He said, don't take oaths. Don't swear by this or swear by that. Just say yes and mean it. Just say no and mean it. And he was telling us that that our word, yes or no, should be our boundaries and it it should be enough. We we should do what we say, but beyond that, we should be people who understand clearly what our responsibility is and who we're responsible to. And, And so the question is this. Why would God command us to say yes or no? Well, it's because we were made in his image because that is who we are to be. Or excuse me, that is because that is who he is. He is a God of yes and no. And his yes and his no don't waver. His yes means yes and his no means no. He doesn't have to swear by someone else. He doesn't have to 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 say, I promise this is true. No, all he has to do is say yes. And we can believe that it is yes, or he can say no, and we can believe that it is no, because there's no one greater than God. There's no one that he can appeal to. You know, you you and I could could say, look, I promise on my uh, my honor, but our honor means very little, relatively speaking, right? All he has to say is, I swear by me, because he, he is God, right? And so this morning I want to explore this idea or this, this, this truth that God is a God of yes and no. Now the title says, when God says yes, right? Is that what the title Yeah, when God says yes. And I, and I, and I said it that way because that's where we want to end. Because ultimately, even when God says no, what he's really saying is yes. Because every yes is a no and every no is a yes. If you were here last week, that makes sense to you. If, 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 you're, if you weren't, then, then you'll have to catch up. I, it's, it's a pretty simple concept. Every time I say no to something, I'm saying yes to something else. Every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else because I cannot be in two places at the same time. I can't do two things at one time, right? So it, it's intentional living. God says yes to a whole host of things. But because he says yes to a whole whole host of things, there are some things that come across to us as no. And I want to say to you today that God doesn't change. He is an unchanging God. So when he says no to something, what he really means is no. But you and I treat God much like a toddler will treat a child. We'll say to our kid, no, and they'll say, but please pretty, please. Please, 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 right? You have a toddler. If you, if, if you do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we, we look at God and we say, well, you don't really mean no, no, do you? It's more like a no, yeah. I mean, we, we want to twist it and we want to work around it. But listen, there are some things that God specifically and intentionally says to us. The answer is no, no matter how many times. This is what I've said to my kids. You can ask me a hundred times, but every time you ask me, the answer is going to be the same. The answer is no. Why? Why? Not because I want to punish my kids, not because God wants to punish you, not because God is interested in inflicting pain, but because God is a good and gracious God and he's a wise God. He's an all knowing God. He's an all powerful God. And every time he says no, he is saying it because he's building boundaries around us to protect us and to keep us safe because he loves us. Now, look, we live in a world that is trying to redefine God to fit our own image, and I have to tell you, that never has worked out in history. And it's still not going to work out. There are, some, there are some actions that God has said no to. And we don't have to be creative and try to figure out, is it now okay, even though it used to be a no? No. When God says no, it's no. There are some lifestyles that we're trying to figure out, maneuver, and make excuses for. No. When God says no, the answer Is no. There are some attitudes that God has said no. You cannot have that attitude. And we go yeah, but what about? It's a new day. It's 2019. You know, it's it's we've evolved as human beings. No, God has not changed. When He says no, He means no. Can I get an amen on this? And here's here's what you and I need to understand. Our world is rapidly pushing us or trying to push us away from believing God when he has said no. And I can promise you, you can take it to the bank. No matter what the world says, when God says no, it is no. And I can promise you this as well. Every time I violate God's no, I pay a price. The Bible clearly tells us that, what, that God will not be mocked. What a man reaps, a man will sow. Now let's just take, for instance, sexual immorality. Because this covers actually actions, lifestyles, and attitudes. That's one that covers all of them. The Bible clearly tells us that sexual immorality is not uh, uh, approved by God. In fact, God has very specifically divine, very tight boundaries for, for, for uh, uh, the sexual life of a person. I kind of got myself in a bind in First Baptist this morning, because as I was talking about this, I realized that I it's like talking about sex with my grandma, and I, and, I, and I just started getting deeper and deeper, going, I really feel embarrassed. I told them, I said, I feel kind of embarrassed right now, and, and they just looked at me and laughed, like, you can't tell us nothing we don't know, so it made me feel better, but it's still a little awkward, because we got different ages here, but... Hear what I'm saying. The Bible's very clear. The Bible builds, God builds very specific, tight boundaries when it comes to our sexuality. He has very clearly said, one man and one woman come together in marriage. And when the two of them make that lifelong commitment, they then become one flesh, which is a physical union. And that one flesh is to be enjoyed by the two of them, only the two of them, till death do they part. That's what God said. Everything in our culture is trying to convince us that those boundaries are too restrictive and those boundaries are too tight and we've evolved into a new understanding of humanity and so those boundaries that God established should be moved out. And I have to tell you, that's a lie. You tell me one time where sex outside of those boundaries has been a good thing. One time where, that, where we're crossing those boundaries has not resulted in pain of some sort, has not resulted in guilt, has not resulted in confusion, has not resulted in brokenness, has not resulted in, in, in more disobedience after disobedience, because once you violate that, you've stepped outside of the boundaries of what God's purpose is. Now there are those who would say, Preacher, you are just just too closed-minded. I have to agree with you. I'm absolutely closed-minded when it comes to what God's Word says. what What other choice do I have? Because I want to stand before you like Polycarp stood before his accusers. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. This is, this is Turkey. He was, he was uh, very very shortly after the life of Christ. And he actually was discipled by John the Baptist. And he was appointed as the Bishop of Smyrna, which is, in, which is in, in, the, in the book of Revelation. It's one of the churches, one of the seven churches that Jesus wrote letters to. And at about 87 years old, 84, 87, he was, he was told, unless you deny Christ by... Offering incense to Caesar, you will die. He said, no, I will not do it. So they arrested him and they tortured him. And then they, 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 they put him up one more time and said, I will give you one chance to deny Christ. All you have to do. You don't even have to deny Christ. You simply have to offer incense to Caesar. Just, just one little act. All you have to do to spare your life. He said, in 87 years, the Lord has not failed me yet. I see no reason to dishonor him now. And so instead of chaining him, they tied him, or instead of nailing him to the stake, he said, no, just tie me there. I promise I will not move. So they tied him to a stake, and then they set him on fire. But as history tells us, he would not burn. So the soldiers were commanded to go in and thrust a spear into him and kill him. And as they did that, the blood poured out of him and extinguished the flames. This is Polycarp. He had a belief that God was the only one worth giving the commands. The only one worth building boundaries. The only one who he should serve. And the point is this. If it was good enough for Polycarp, it's good enough for me. I want to be that faithful to what God says. And when God says no, folks, the answer is no. Now, in this moment, I'm going to ask you to examine your own life. What are the things that you're asking of God that he's already said no? And maybe you're not even asking anymore. You're just kind of easing toward it, hoping he doesn't notice. Now, if you have a toddler, you've seen this too, haven't you? You're telling me, so I, I have three dogs. All three are loved equally. I just love them differently. <laughs> that makes sense to you if you have dogs. Um, Actually, maybe it doesn't. It makes perfect sense in my head, though. So one of my dogs, I've had the longest, it's a Jack Russell. And she is, is very obedient. And so I'll tell her to sit, and she'll sit. I'll tell her to kennel up, and she'll go get in her kennel. I'll tell her to, to, to leave me alone, and she'll go, okay, and she'll walk away. I mean, very obedient dog. But then I have another dog who's the black lab, and her name is Honey. And she's mostly obedient, and she'll come up, I just want to love, I just want to love. You know, if you have a black lab, you know what they're like, right? I just want you to love me. You could beat me, you could hurt me, but I'm still going to come and love you because I just want to love you, right? I mean, that's a black lab. So she'll come up and I'll go, stay, and she'll sit. And she'll be like, come on, tell me to come. And then she'll ease up, right, right? She'll ease a little closer, and I'll go, no, and she'll come on to the side i mean this this is what we do to god god says no we go okay 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 you don't see me you don't see me and we get closer and closer and closer and god goes no i've said no no you've had as a parent you've said this no means then why do you persist if god says no We need to listen. Here's why. God is not interested in punishing you. God is interested in protecting you. Every no from God has a reason. The boundaries that God builds for us by saying no is because he understands the human heart. He knows that our hearts run towards idolatry. He knows that we run towards selfishness. He knows that we run towards things that please the flesh. And he says, I'm going to protect you by building these boundaries. I'm going to tell you no. And if you will stay within the no, you will be safe. But if you get outside of the no, you will reap the consequences of the no. Perhaps there's some in this room today who are living outside of God's no and you are suffering the consequences from it even now. And I don't have to tell you who you are because I don't even know who you are. You know who you are. And the pain in your life is not going to stop until you get back inside what God has said as His perfect will for you. No means no doesn't mean God stops loving you. It doesn't mean God doesn't move in your life at all. It just means that you're living outside of His covering and His protection because you've clearly violated what He has said. This is safe. This is not. So I want to encourage you today. Jump back inside of His no. Don't rebel against it and don't don't hate it. Love it. Because I can tell you this. Every no of God has a yes. Every single one. So I don't need to talk about attitudes and actions and lifestyles. It's all over the scripture. We could spend all day just on on one or two of those. But I want to give you the principle that God says no. And then God sometimes says no to things that aren't sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find ourselves in uh, verse 7. Paul says, uh, because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, no, I will not take it away. My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my own weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, and hardships, and persecution, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, for when God tells me no, then I am strong. Listen, folks, there are things that we pray for and we beg God for. God, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this? And God says, no, I will not. Not because it's not good, not because it's unholy, not because it, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't, be, be, uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't feel good, not because I even wouldn't want to, but this thing in your life, see, God knows you better than you know yourself. There are things in your life that he's going to tell you no to, because by telling you yes, that would harm you, not help you, because what you think you need and want is not what he knows you need and want. And do you recognize that all of this is ultimately about trusting in the character and nature of God, not in your own wisdom? What in your life has God said no to? You've prayed and you've asked and you've begged and you've pleaded and God just keeps saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Your kid's saying to you, Dad, I want a Corvette because they're fast and they're pretty. I promise... I won't go fast. And your dad wisely says the answer is no. Inside he's going, oh, I would love to give you a Corvette because I would get to drive it too oh, I would love to do that because I would love to see the joy in your face, but I know you better than you know yourself, and I know that inside of you there is this evil speed demon wanting to come out, and if I give you what you desperately want, it is going to pull you away from me, not to me. So the answer, therefore, is no. Folks, we need to be okay when God tells us no to something we think we are owed or deserve. And we get to the okay by trusting in who Jesus is, by believing that he knows what's best. You know, in, in, for, the, for the Israelites, there was, a, there, was a, uh, there was a promise. The scripture says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Jeremiah, right? I know the plans that I have for you, plans for, for a hope and a future, plans for you to prosper. And so, so God knows his people, the Israelites. Certainly he knows his people, you and me. And if he knows us, then he does what he does because he loves us. My daughters and my, my son want some things that I won't give them. And I, and, I, and I won't give them to them, even though I want them to have them, until I, believe, until I know that those things that I give them will be safe. Why would you expect something less of your God? May I suggest that you and I stop complaining to God because He won't answer our prayer with the, way, with the answer we want and start thanking Him for knowing us and loving us enough to be a Father. And by the way, you cannot often pester God enough to make Him give you something that He doesn't want to do. God doesn't work that way. But there is a time when God will capitulate and say, okay, the answer is yes. My answer is no, but I'm going to say yes because I need to show you the danger of your own heart. Open your Bibles, if you will, to a second, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, here's a comforting story. It's comforting because to me it reminds me of my own heart. In First Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 4, let me set the scene for you while you're turning there. The Israelites were unlike every other nation. They did not have a king. Every other nation had one man who sat on a throne and who dictated rules to the whole people. They served him, they did what he said, and his response was he was supposed to protect them and, and, and give the rule of the land. The Israelites had a different system. They had no king. They had a preacher. The preacher was a prophet. Samuel was the preacher in this time. And so it worked this way. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would then turn around and say, Thus saith the Lord. And whatever the prophet said was what God said. Now God worked it out so that the prophet would not falsely prophesy. Here's the way God dealt with that. He said, Look, if the prophet ever gets one wrong Kill him. why? well because the prophet spoke for God the prophet heard directly from God and so if the prophet couldn't be trusted even on one thing it took his credibility away for everything and so God said look you can trust him to speak for me if he ever speaks on his own accord we're going to take him out and I'll give you somebody else so that was the system but the people, the Israelites didn't like it They looked at other nations and they go, well, they have kings. They they have somebody on a throne, so we want somebody on a throne. They tolerated Samuel, but then they found their chance. They found that Samuel's kids weren't quite the same as Samuel, and so they came to Samuel and said, Samuel, we want, verse 4, we want, they all gathered together and came to Samuel and said, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us. Such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us the king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And so he prayed to the Lord. Take a special note here. That's a whole other sermon that you can preach to yourself. But let me give you the starting point, okay? When you face opposition, when you face trouble, when you face a situation, don't get everybody else's opinion. Go to the Lord first. Amen? He always has a better opinion. Go to other people after you've gone to the Lord. That's the sermon you can preach to yourself. Um, in verse 6, But when they said, Give us the king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Oh, there's so much right here. Here's what God said. God said to Samuel, Samuel, they're not rejecting you as prophet, they're rejecting me as God. They keep wanting a king, and they've been asking for a king. Now they see their opening, so they've come, and they've given you a reason and an excuse to appoint a king for them. He said, my, God said, my answer is no, but I'm going to say yes. But here are the conditions. I'm going to say yes to a king, and I'm going to give them a king. But you need to solemnly warn them what the king is going to require of them. You need to tell them what the king is going to do and how he's going to rule over them. We do this all the time in our own lives, do we not? We come to God, God, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I want. And God says, no, I don't think you want that. Yes, 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 I'm telling you, this is what needs to happen in my life. No, I I, I know you, and I know them, and I'm just saying, that's not a good... Oh, come on, God, come on. Right? And we keep just pounding away. Come on, God. And God goes, okay. Go ahead. And God just says, I'll give you what you're asking for. But it's outside of my will for you, and it's going to cause you pain. There are times in our life when we go outside of what God is asking, and God says, I'm going to let you run for a little while. Can I just see, a, by, by a show of hands, how many of y'all have ever had an experience like this? Was it painful? I'm just going to tell you about one of mine. This past Wednesday, I shared with at our fish fry. Um, in college, I was a young lad, uh, I guess 18 years old, and I was the... The Worship Leader. Actually, I think I was the song director. It was a lower title than Worship Leader. First Baptist Church of Hermitage, Tennessee. All 35 people voted me in. Probably because they had no other choice. Otherwise, I'm sure I wouldn't have been voted in. But here I am as an 18-year-old college student. I'm a freshman at Belmont University... And and I and I applied for the job. They gave me the job. And so I'm thinking to myself. This is great. I, I have my first official church job that I get paid for. Right. This is this is this is God's calling on my life. I thought I was going to be a music minister at the time. And, and I started and it wasn't long before I realized that this wasn't going to be as easy as I thought it was. In fact, it was the first day I was there that there was conflict. The first day I was there, literally Sunday morning, they said, yes, we want you here. Well, it was 30 minutes to drive back to school, so I just hung around the church till that Sunday evening service. And while I was hanging around, I happened to be looking in the sanctuary, and I noticed that it wasn't quite set up right. So I just rearranged the platform. Now, I know which ones of you grew up Southern Baptist by what you just did right there. (laughs) And I know which ones of you didn't. Because the ones of you who did grow up Southern Baptist, you know that that is a holy space in a sanctuary. And no 18 year old kid is going to come in and rearrange the platform, not without much consternation by the people. You should have seen them when they walked in. You would have thought I shot the Pope. I mean, it was like there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, they went, I mean, it was brutal. And I was like, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good way. And they're like, yes, it was a good way. It's been perfect for 50 years. No need for you to change it. That started the next nine months of me becoming more and more frustrated and more and more. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I learned some stuff. I learned a lot of stuff, really. But if, after for those nine months, I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to leave. I said, Lord, I'm going to I'm going to find another church. And as clear as I'm talking to you, God spoke to me, not in a voice out loud, but I heard him very clearly inside of my heart. He said, Jeff, stay where you are. I said, yeah, but Lord, I'm 18 and I'm a musician and I don't do those kinds of songs really well. I do these kinds of songs a lot better. They don't want these kinds of songs. They want those kinds of songs. I mean, this is an old church, and I just just don't fit. And I made every excuse in the world, and God clearly said, through his word, mind you. I said, "Lord," I "I did one of these things. Lord, just show me in your word what you want me to do, and I'll do it. So I just kind of went, and I read, and here's here's what he told me. Stay where you are. I'm like, hmm, let me try that again. Stay where you are. Ah. I don't recommend that you do open the Bible, stick your finger. I've done it a number of times. It's not always the best thing, but sometimes desperation calls for desperate measures. So I asked, and so God said, Look, dwell in this was the verse, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Dwell, stay in the land and enjoy the safety. What he was telling me was, and I didn't know this till afterwards, he was saying. It's hard on you, but I'm teaching you things that you can only learn in that spot. Stay there and enjoy the safety of being there because at the end of the day, those 35 people loved me in spite of me because they saw me as their grandkid who was just some dumb goofy grandkid who didn't know any better. There was a lot of grace that was given, but you know what I did? I said, you know, I I think I really need to be somewhere else. So I called a few of my buddies together and I said, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. What do you think I should do? Oh, yeah, dude, you should definitely go somewhere else, man. And and all of them gave me the advice of you should go somewhere else. So here's what I did. Now, I didn't do this this blatantly, (laughs) Excuse me, but I did this practically. I said, the Lord said, stay. All of my friends say, leave. I think I'll leave. Can I just say that was not a good move? The next year, for an entire year, I interviewed, you you went on most of these interviews, Shannon. I went on multiple interviews, church after church after church, and nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole. I kept going, man, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And every time, the Lord kept reminding me, now, what did I tell you? Oh, yeah, stay in the land and enjoy safe pasture. After a full year, I was getting a little anxious. I mean, and by the way, during that year, I worked at Chick-fil-A, I worked at Taco Bell, I worked, I cleaned swimming pools. I mean, I, I had to, I worked like a dog. And then finally, the Lord said, have you learned what I'm trying to teach you? Yes, sir. You know, from that day until this day, I've never left a place until God has so clearly spoken and said, it's time for you to leave. And by the way, the clarity of him speaking is phenomenal on this. Like literally, I, I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking of in particular, I was driving down the road and God spoke to me, your time is done. Mm-hmm. All right. That next day, there was a conversation and it... it It was just like that. Here's the point. Sometimes God says yes when His answer is no because He's going to teach us why His answer is no. And you can push the issue if you want, but don't be surprised when there is pain in the yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to believe that. Man, oh man, listen. Don't be a Jeff. When the Lord says stay, stay. Don't be a Jeff. But you know, I said every time God says no, He says yes. God is full of yeses. Open your Bibles to John chapter 14. God is full of yeses. And in, in, my, in my study this week, I just wrote myself a little note because I didn't know what to call it, but there are a host of standing yeses. And a standing yes, by my definition anyways, is something we don't even have to ask for. It's already provided. It's already given. It's, God has said, well, of course. It's like one of my daughters come up and say, hey, Dad, can I hug you? Duh, right? It's like my wife coming up and saying, hey, can I kiss you? (laughs) Duh, right? Of course. I'm never going to say no to that. Y'all are looking at me like I'm strange. But think about it. There are some things in life that are guaranteed yeses. You don't even have to ask. You just do. There are a host of things that Jesus has already made clear that we don't need to ask about. We just need to believe what he said. And that is the crux of the message today. That's why I began by saying, I refuse to preach an impotent, powerless, dead Jesus Christ. If He is risen from the grave, He is risen indeed, and all the power that comes from that still resides in Him and for us. The church today is in desperate need of a resurrected Christ. We preach a gospel too often that has no teeth in it. We think that by changing it and softening it and watering it down and making it palatable, making it believable, that it's going to draw more people, but it's entirely the opposite all it does is pull people into a lie, into a false representation of the gospel. That's why Paul, preached. Paul said, I preach Christ crucified and nothing else. His message was one of offense because it went against the, the, the thought of the day. In John chapter 14... Jesus begins this conversation, this sermon, if you will, that lasts for a handful of chapters. And he begins by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. He said, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He was saying, in in modern terms, he was saying, what do you think, I would lie to you? He was literally saying, believers, everything I've told you is the truth. Do you think I would lie to you? Do you think I would lead you along and just play with your emotions? Do you think I would tell you one thing and then flip the tables and do another? No, he said, my yes is yes, my no is no. You don't have to wonder what he really means. He said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then he continues to preach. And as he preaches, this is the overarching theme of his message. It's this, believe everything I've said. Everything. And he even told us how we can believe it. Because listen, our minds are in conflict with the Scripture often. Because our minds reason things out and it makes sense of things that are spiritual things that don't necessarily make sense and don't necessarily line up with tradition or don't necessarily line up with, with our uh, preconceived ideas of what we think God is like. But can I just tell you that God... Are you all okay with this? Can I tell you, God doesn't fit in our box. If your God is in a box, you've got the wrong God. Because God doesn't fit in an itty-bitty box because it's itty-bitty living space. He's outside of the box. Our God is greater. Our God is bigger. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm sorry it feels like I'm screaming, but inside I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus. He walked on the water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hope to the destitute. He gave peace to the the one who was uncomforted. And everything that Jesus has ever did is the same that he will do today. But now listen. We can't explain it and we cannot put it in a box, but we can believe it. And he told us how to believe it. And he said, believe it like this. Be a child. With awe and wonder, be a child. You know what a child is? A child is one who simply trusts the character because they don't know any better. The other day, me and the kids were putting down flooring. If you follow on Facebook, you, you know that this past week we, we did a lot on the house. And it was 2 or 3 in the morning morning. Um, Hannah and Sarah and Josh and and Garrett was over at the house, um, and and, and they were were working like crazy. We we either had just finished or almost finished a large section. And I think it was Garrett who said something like, Man, Jeff, how do you know how to do this? And in my mind, I'm thinking, YouTube. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. But But before I answered it, Hannah said something that i got to be honest, just maybe go like this. She goes, oh, my dad can do everything. (laughs) I didn't let on like I heard it. But inside I was going, yes. She trusts me. There is nothing better for a father that when his children trust him. Because guess what? I will die for them. I will give everything for them because I love them. And if they trust me, I will protect them. I will provide for them. I will keep them. I will teach them. I will give them everything they need in life for success. I will give all of myself for them if they will only believe me. Now, Hannah, plug your ears, please. And it dawned on me that this is what I felt about my own father. It wasn't until college that I realized he could not do some things. Like, I remember literally one day going, Wow, my dad doesn't know how to do that. Is the earth still, still around here? Is there a split in the... I mean, I literally... I never saw him not do anything. And I had this understanding of him as this superhero. And when I realized that he couldn't do everything, it was okay because I was... Actually, it kind of shook me a little bit, to be honest with you. And then I realized, oh, he's human. That's okay. He's allowed to be that. But when I heard Hannah say those words... Instantly it went back and I thought, that is what God wants from me. How many times do you and I go to God and say, oh God, I sure wish you could do this. Oh, I wish you were the same God that you were a thousand years ago. Oh, I wish you were powered. Now, we would never say it that way, but that's the way we live. Amen? The faith of a child to say, Daddy... I don't understand. I don't get it. You might. You might not. All I know is you can, and you might, and I'm good with that. But if I am going to fail, I am going to fail believing what Jesus said, not doubting what Jesus said. How about you? Isn't it time that we as God's people start living with power because we believe the words in red? Why don't we stop telling the world how impotent Jesus really is? Why don't we stop making excuses for Jesus and just start living the Jesus of the Bible? It looks a little weird. Takes a little risk. I don't know about you, but one thing I've learned here recently is that our kids don't believe what we say, they believe what we do. And if you want kids of faith, if you want kids who will be world changers, you've got to be moms and dads of faith. Because they're not going to believe you if you say, oh, Jesus is marvelous, and then they see a lack of faith. Because your words have just been neutered by your actions. And it goes the same with the world. In your office, don't proclaim Jesus as Lord if you're going to live as Jesus as slave. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's a whole other message in that. Jesus to the uh, church at... um, Laodicea in Revelation I think it's chapter 3. He says, look, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Be all in, be all out. But don't be halfway, because halfway only clogs the tracks and keeps everybody else from seeing me. Now, why do we have such disbelief? Because we've seen halfway so many times. Some people have seen halfway in us, but we've all seen halfway in others. We've all heard, we've all seen, we've all experienced, and we should not allow people without faith to cause us to not have faith because our faith is not in people with faith. Our faith is in what Jesus said in his word. So church, that's the message today. I believe that we're on the cusp of seeing God move in a mighty way. I think we've seen Him move in a mighty way. There was something, I felt something powerful about worship today. There's something rising up. Again, it's strange to the world. Very strange. I'm not talking about being a freak, okay? I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being Jesus-like. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the words in red, and every single thing that is in red, I'm going to say, okay, I believe it. I I don't understand it, maybe. I can't figure out how, maybe. I don't even know why, but I'm going to believe it. You live a life that way. We live a life that way. We see God move. Don't you want to see God move? You know, Kevin's here. We're going to start our our time of invitation. I might have run a little bit long today. Sorry, I got a little excited. I want to invite you, though. You know, we've talked about God saying yes. There's one thing that God wants to say yes to, perhaps more than anything else. He wants to say yes to you placing your faith in him the bible says no one comes with a father unless unless the spirit draws him so in this moment no doubt in a room this size there are those who god is drawing to himself and he's calling you to repentance he's calling you to trust jesus christ as your lord and as your savior Now, you might you might be saying to him, yeah, but I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I'm not sure God can fully forgive me of those things. And God, as the father, he is, is standing at the door saying the answer is yes. Yes. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me, for my burden is easy. A load is light His answer is already yes Will you take one step towards him Just one Let him have your life Will you close your eyes and bow your head Father in heaven I ask that in this moment you would you would make us rise up with faith to believe all that you are to live as little children. To give our lives for you. Father, in this moment, whatever decision needs to be made by the people, by all of us in this room, God, may we, may we jump back inside of your know. May we repent for the things that we know we should not be doing or places we are. Lord, may we make that right. Father may we start believing in your yes God this is my prayer today